Welcome to another episode of Failing Forward. As always, I'm your host, Steve Hofstetter. If you like the podcast, uh, make sure to comment, subscribe, share it with your friends, do all that stuff so other people will get a chance to like it as well. I'm joined here in studio by Bobby Collins. Now, if you are a fan of comedy at all, you already know who Bobby is. You were one of those guys when I was, because I was a huge stand-up fan growing up, and I would watch just anything that was stand-up related, and I just, I never knew how I knew comics. I just knew as many of their names as possible. <laughs> and you know, you were one, of, you were one of these folks where already you were, you were all over the place. You were ubiquitous, right. and you know, and you have been since. I. I'm honored to have you on the show. Thank you. And uh, I'm curious, how long have you been doing stand-up? I've been doing stand-up for about 36 years. 36 years. Yes. So you had to be actually relatively new when I first heard of you then. Probably. Because... I was lucky. I was lucky. You know, people... uh, I would be at the clubs in New York City. Yeah. And I'd be working during the day in a day job. Yeah. So uh, at Calvin Klein. What do you do at Calvin Klein? Well, I, 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 I used to sell jewelry around just to make money because yeah. a friend of mine did it. And uh, she said, you'd be so good at selling this jewelry. So I said, I'm going to take She t- took it to haircutting places. Yeah. I took it to the garment center because knowing New York, the garment center, every floor had five or six, uh, you know, uh, labels. Yeah. Uh, so I'd sell to uh, Calvin Klein. I'd sell to all the jeans. I'd sell to whatever. And then one day they stopped me by the elevator, and the guy came over to me and they t- with a security guard, and he said, "Hey, can we?" I go, "My name's Bobby Collins. Here's my card. Wholesale jewelry at, yeah. at retail price. You know, uh, retail pre- jewelry at wholesale prices." And they said, "No, we want to talk to you about a job. Everyone here likes you." Oh, and that's great. And I go, <laughs> and and in my head I'm going, "Oh, I wouldn't want to do." this you know this <laughs> in my head but i said sure let's because i said i kick back 10 percent for your christmas parties and whatever and then the wind up was they hired me they, they i sat down they hired me for a job as a salesman at calvin klein and within i'd say within six months i became a vice president you were a vice president yeah there. but wow but you got to keep in mind, Steve, they came over to me and they said, hey, we want to make you vice president. And I said, I didn't like what I was doing. I said, but do you pay more money? They went, yeah. I go, then you can call me emperor. Yeah. <laughs> and that was true because most of the people that came in from around the country, they were afraid of New York. And yeah. they, I'd say to them, what are you guys doing tonight? Six of them from Macy's in uh, Oklahoma. Yeah. They go, we're writing up our orders. Uh, ten of them from you know, uh, Arkansas. I'd say, well, I, I'm trying to be a comic. I'm doing stand-up comedy at a place called Catch a Ride and Star. You ought to stop it. They had no one that they knew, so they would jam in. Yeah. And the orders were big. Remember, people buy you. They don't buy the material. The material yeah. is always the same no matter who it is. But Calvin Klein, we would just put a higher label on it because of the name. So, And then they made me executive vice president, and I stayed there for another three, four months. So you had you were like this rising star for Calvin Klein. Yes. And had no desire to be there. None. None. But I was good at what I did because I knew right away that they buy, they buy the person. They don't buy the the product. I mean, they buy. Of course, they buy the product. Yeah. But if you're talking to them and you're like that, and I saw very easily that oh, if you have some sort of personality and yeah. some charm, you can sell these people, and they'll always come do, back. Do you think that 
most comedians, and I'm not talking about people who are pretending to be comedians. Yeah. I'm talking about people who are actual successes, actual professional comedians, could duplicate that success in a lot of other fields. Yes. Yes. Let's talk about that a little bit more. Why? Because I I have the same theory. And listening to you talk about this, I was like, I bet Bobby would agree with this. Well, remember, growth means change. Change doesn't always mean growth. As you, for what you are, for who you are, if you grow as a person, you're naturally going to change things. Yeah. So I wanted to do stand-up comedy. And then it came down to the day that I actually, after seven, eight months, dropped it. And uh, I I told him, that's it. I can't do this anymore. And I went home and I was going to be, that was like one of my biggest struggles to be a stand-up comic. Now I was going to do it full time. Yeah. And uh, I had a regiment myself, you know, mind, body. And, uh, you know, I had to work out. I had to do, make my calls for jobs. I, you know, I had to uh, uh, write new material, you know, so I had a discipline and I would keep a chart and I would, you know, I mean, that's how I am. You looked at it as a full-time job, which I think is uh, the biggest mistake that a lot of aspiring artists or people who work for themselves in general, whatever the field, the biggest mistake they make is that they're like, oh, I can work whatever hours. And it's like, okay, you can, but are you going to? Right. Are you actually going to put in the work? Are you actually going to monitor yourself? Right. I, I put in the work. Yeah. I wanted I wanted to grow. And I was working at about five different comedy clubs at night, improv, catch a rising star. This, and somebody asked me recently in an interview, did you develop a lot? I said, no, I didn't develop friendships. I knew all the good comics from Jay uh, to Johnny, I mean, to uh, Jerry Sign. We all knew each other and we all respected each other. Some of them had clicks. I just was always friendly and respectful of everyone. And, and But I would keep moving because I had this thing in my head that I just wanted to keep working and move and what, grow. What was the first TV spot you had? First TV spot was... This, by the way, is a sign that you've been on TV so many times that you don't know right away. Right. <laughs> like, oh, most comics God. will be like, oh, I'll tell you exactly. But you were like, oh, no, I've done a lot oh, of Oh, no. It, it wasn't the Carson show. It was, uh, you know, a lot of little shows that yeah. they put on. Um, you know, I think uh, the morning show with uh, Regis and Kathy because I was touring and opening for uh, Julio Iglesias. Yeah. And Julio was uh, one is, was going to be on in a week and he couldn't do it. So they said, can we get Bobby your opening act? You know, oh, that, that's great. So I was lucky because from hitting those clubs, maybe different for you. Yeah. A lot of people would come over to me and hand me their cards. One guy handed me his card, an old guy. And he goes, have your agent call me. And I go, you mean my father? I didn't yeah. have an agent. <laughs> you know, I don't, what are you talking about? Yeah. And I went, there was a lot of agents at that time would talk to me, but nobody signed me because that's what they would do is talk. Yeah. And that's again. That's still true. Yeah. So I never put that much faith in them. But then I handed one to ICM, a guy named Steve Levine. And he said, who gave you this? I go, this guy at the club, he asked me to give it to my, he goes, do you know who this is? I go, no, old guy, sweetheart, seemed nice. He wanted me to give it to my age. He goes, Bobby, this is Cher and Sinatra's uh, uh, manager. And wow. uh, so I ended up touring with them too. That's incredible. So I was lucky because everyone was jumping to comedy clubs. Yeah. I jumped. I toured with Cher, Julio, uh, Frank Sinatra, uh, Dolly Parton. Uh, that's also got to that's got to toughen you up as a comic because you're performing to audiences that are not there to see comedy. Right. 
And you knew that at first. Oh, my God, did I go through some torture. How long did it take you going through that before you were comfortable? <sighs> I'd say a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of weeks because then it taught me. I Then, you know, I, I learned. Play the audience, not play the comedy club. You know, yeah. play the audience. I had somebody open for me recently. I do 40, 52 theaters a year. And I had somebody open for me recently. But they constantly looked, you know, and I said, oh, it's a club comic. Yeah, you know, they're looking funny, at you. But they, to... You play to every, make everyone feel like you're talking to them. So is that the, if, if someone were going to open for a big musician for the first time, mm -hmm. um, what other advice would you give them? Uh, work the stage. Walk the stage. Don't stay, you know, work it. Work the stage. Keep your eye up. Don't talk to the person. Don't go individually. Everybody wants to feel like you're talking to them. Yeah. Uh, and walk it. Talk to the stage. Laugh at yourself. Work the room. But work that stage. Most people just stay stiff. Because we're so used to stages that are three feet wide. Right. That's why. <laughs> we're used right. to not being able to walk. Right. That's why I learned quick. I have to remind myself sometimes when I'm finally playing a place that has an actual stage yeah. to use it. Oh, absolutely. Steve, work that. Make that stage your home. Yeah. Walk over there to something that normally, if you would normally take a step in a club, well, take five, six steps. And then, you know what he said, you know, and then yeah. come back and Be go more back. animated. Work that. Yes. Yeah. If Which is tough sometimes if you're a fairly deadpan act. Because, well, yeah. because, but those theaters do lend themselves, like the the difference. It's so strange. The difference when people are sitting in theater style seats, right. they just give you more leeway to talk. Right. They don't because also they're not eating, they're not drinking. Right. They're just waiting for you. And so now it's very different when it's your show at a theater versus right. when you're opening for someone and you're almost in the way of them seeing <laughs> someone else. But the which, by the way, is not something that I have done much of because I'm terrified of it. <laughs> Don't be terrified. Yeah, the but I but I do like the advice of you know of just kind of trying to make it your own. Um, mm. So, and being just being a theater act in this business in general is a very difficult thing to do because to be a theater act you have to sell tickets. Yes, and in this day and age, it's so hard to sell tickets unless you are like. You know, there are social media stars that can sell tickets once. <laughs> People come see them, can they're I like, swear? never again. Can yeah, I absolutely. Swear? The cream rises to the top. Shit floats for a while, then it sinks. There's a lot of shit. Yeah. And you see it sinking. Yeah. I worked at, and then... I have a special needs child. So, uh, you know, people ask me, a lot of the guys that I know, uh, head A-list a comics, like, why would you work that comedy club? I go, you get an extra pair of hands to help you for your daughter. You work that comedy club. And I worked one recently. It's called uh, Bananas in um, Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Yeah. And when I did it, I've done it for 26 years at Thanksgiving because the whole family, we go back to New York. Yeah. And... Uh, I asked her, I go, who are these guys? I only knew one, Dom Irera, that they yeah. had four or five. And they said, oh, these guys have Netflix specials. I go, how did this guy do? He said, sold 29 tickets on a Saturday night. Oh. I went, you're kidding. And they go, yeah, they, they don't know who yet to bring in because it was bought over the club. Yeah, a lot of times, uh, a lot of times these clubs, it, when I see who is playing, right. and as someone who's been producing shows for 17 years nice i know who can sell and who can't right 
And it's so weird to me when there's a comedy club that brings someone in that I'm like, that guy's going to sell eight tickets for you. Right. And and they're but you okay. Know that, but you know that. Yeah, but I feel they like don't. they should know that too. No, but they don't. Yeah. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah. So, okay, <laughs> I want to talk to you about obviously we I, I there's a million stories about things going well for you. Hmm. I want to talk to you about when things didn't. And we're going to do that after the break. So, come on back. You got it. Welcome back to Failing Forward. Of course, joined here with Bobby Collins, someone who has been a comedian uh, almost as long as I've been in anything. Um, but also someone who, you know, who I, I grew up watching you. And I hope, you know, there are some people who are like, don't make me feel old. But like, I'm I'm not that old. Hey, you're only as uh, old as you feel. Yeah. And, you know, and you're someone who has had continued success throughout. Thank God. Which is, yeah, which is also rare because people fade. There yeah. are people who, <clears throat> excuse me, there are people who, you know, gain these monumental heights. They'll, they'll get a sitcom and people will be so excited for that sitcom. And then three years later, they can't get booked at a club. Right. And you're someone who throughout the years could sell tickets. People come and watch you. Thank you. <laughs> well, but that is, but it's true. And well, it's a rarity. And yeah, and there was a method to my madness. Too. So tell us, the, tell us the method before we get into the failure. Well, I was working at a lot of comedy clubs mm -hmm. and uh, in the beginning. And since I was opening for Cher and Julio and Sinatra, and then all of a sudden that ended and I had to go back to comedy clubs and I wasn't used to that. Yeah. And then the money was, and I said, look at this, I'm working Thursday, one show, Friday, two shows, Saturday, they might add three. And I'm going like this, oh my God, you know? And I said, okay, I gotta do this. And then I remember working at one club and the guy said, hey, I'm gonna have to cut you two grand down. I said, why? The place is sold out. And he said, well, the club's not doing that well. I go, well, that's not a reflection upon me. That's insanity. Yeah, I go, I, you don't pay me for the food and liquor, and your every seat was taken, and you're getting $20, $25 a, a ticket. Are you willing to say where that was? Uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot if you're not. I New could Brunswick, New Jersey. Okay, no and, problem. And uh, I told the guy, okay, uh, I'll never work for you again. Remember, I knew a business background right. from Calvin Klein. So he said, no, Bobby, come on. I go, I go no, I won't. But since then, that, that, that was the impetus for me to literally, because I had money, literally to call up nine theaters, and I made deals with them to rent their theaters. Yeah. New Jersey, New York, a little upstate, all around. And I made money, very good money, on eight. One, I broke even. I made a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. And then all those theaters that I worked at wanted me back the following year. Yeah. And I said, interesting. And then I asked them, being a gentleman, is there any other theater people that you work with that I could possibly? Spreading it, spreading it. Yeah. And then it came up to around 42 theaters. And I go back every year. That's fantastic. And that's something where... You know, offline, I'd love to talk to you about some of this stuff because right. I'm I'm at the point now where, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, where I don't play clubs anymore. Right. I will do, with the exception of like a day, yeah. like I might come in on a Tuesday and play a club because then they'll give me a generous portion of the door. But the idea that someone would say, oh, I have to pay you less than I was going to pay you. Right. Even if you didn't draw well, who cares? That's the contract. You had a contract. Right. Could you say to them, I'm going to have to charge you 2000 more because we did well? Right. right. Would they ever say, okay? Right. Absolutely no. not. Ever. And so that's the benefit of renting a space. Right. And 
it speaks to not just comedy, but it also speaks to anyone who's doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. When the, the reason the clubs are tough is because they believe that they are a large portion of why people are coming to see you. Right. Despite the fact that if you weren't there, they'd be empty. But they still believe that, oh, well, we've been in business 25 years or whatever it is. And it's like, yeah, and how's it been the last five? Right. <laughs> right. So, like, how's it been once people stopped coming to clubs? Right. And so to be able to have a place where – and the, my favorite thing about theaters is they do not care what you do as long as you show up and fulfill the contract and people are coming in the door. That's it. They don't tell you how to do your art. They don't – uh, force you to, you, you know, oh, can you make an announcement about who's coming up next week? Absolutely. They would never do that. Right, right. And it's it's just such a pleasure as a comic, but also as someone who works for themselves to be able to truly work for yourself. I I love it. And then, you know, every once in a while, like this year, just recently I had two or three agencies come to me Yeah, because you're a moneymaker. And they asked, Bobby, we're interested, very interested in representing you. And I said, oh, okay. And I went to talk to them. And a few of them, two of them said to me, I'm not mentioning their names. Yeah. Two of them, I, I said, all right, so the 42 theaters I got coming up starting November through March, they go, well, we'll collect the money on that. And I go, no, uh, no, I, I've, I've developed those over the years. But I'll make you a deal. If you bring in me another 50 theaters, yeah. I'll give you the money from those 40. And they said, no, we won't do that. I said, I'll put it in writing. And they said, no. And I said, I jumped up. I shook his hands. It was a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, that's not. But one of them, right. <laughs> See yeah. what I mean? It's a business. Show yeah. business. People forget we're comics. You know, somebody said to me recently, would you ever retire? I get paid to have fun. Yeah. Why would I retire? Then a friend of mine who's an attorney goes, Bobby, fuck you. He goes, I deal with negativity every day. He's an attorney. Yeah. He goes, you deal with people in life and laugh and people want to know you and, and they come back to see you. Thank God. Yeah. I, as a comic, deal with a great deal of negativity. But that's also social media. <laughs> that is social media. And that's also, I'm still at the point in my career where I'm building up to those 42 theaters or, you know, Good. whatever it might Good. be. Do it. So Use ab- that as your goal. Absolutely. And, you know, we should definitely talk about that because I might have some of those other 50 that can, <laughs> you know, that would happily book you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about when things weren't going your way. Okay. So there was... Remember, I always lifted up my foot off base and I stretched and then yeah. I'd lift it up and go. And sometimes it was very difficult. Uh, I remember I got a sitcom in New York and I had to come out to California with Aaron Spelling to do it called Rent-A-Cop, which eventually became Mall Cop. Yeah. And me and Eddie, uh, I forgot his name, from Laverne and Shirley, the Italian. Uh, oh, I know who you're talking you about. You know who I'm talking yeah. about. A great guy. And we taped it. We did it. We was getting $100,000 for a week and a half's work. We yeah. came out here, and I was seeing a young lady in New York, and I really fell in love with her. And I said, listen, I'm going out to New York to do from the California to do this show. Yeah. And I got, and I go, I'd love to have you come with me. And she goes, she was tough, Italian lady. Yeah. She said, well, I, I'd like a house and a car. And I go, you know, I like somebody that knows what they want. Yeah. I says, I get your Mercedes, you know. And she goes, Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but she was that tight. Jeez. And we went out, and it was very insecure for me because the show didn't go. We taped it. Yeah. And I was ready to come back to New York, 
And then I said, oh, God, do you want to stay? And I stayed here because if I had the bite for that, and I wanted to see this Hollywood stuff and see yeah. how this stuff works. And and I learned really quick. And I did a lot of commercials. I did. A, a, I remember sitting with a bunch of people on a beach in in the Hamptons, Long Island, and the Marlboro Man. Don't 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 don't. Yeah. And I'd say to him, you know, gay guy, and I a bunch of these guys, and I'd say, how do you do that? Well, you got to get your picture taken. You got to bring it to uh, get the book, and you got to deliver it to their knock on yeah. doors. And some of them wouldn't even open the door. Just put it under the door. Picture with a so, resume. So just doing, just de- hand delivering your resume. Oh, to, I would do that. Yeah. And then one day I got called, and they go, yeah, we'd like you to come down for a Budweiser commercial. We want, want to test you on it. I got the commercial. And yeah. then they said to me, okay, what's your SAG number? I go, oh, well, I don't know what yeah. SAG is. <laughs> and they go, well, then we have to join you. And they joined me, and then I did Budweiser. I mean, that's positive that they that they joined you instead of saying, oh, sorry, we can only oh, do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. no, they wanted me. They yeah. wanted me. One, because I was a little darker, and there was a black guy, white guy, and the, I was the little. Yeah, you were the in-between. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And that was great. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I got a call. See, once your face is out there, then yeah. I got a call from uh, William Morris. They weren't my agent. I didn't have an agent. Yeah. And they said, we'd like to talk to you about commercials. What one? For certs. I remember that one. Yeah. And I said, well, they go, well, you have four comics. You, Rita Rudner. Uh, oh, I forgot his name. He died. Good guy. And each one's got a setting. We have one setting left, the business setting. I go, what were the other settings? They go, party. I would have loved that, yeah. the party. <laughs> so I did the business setting, but I really played it. Yeah. I really played it. And they uh, they paid me $76,000 to do that. That's incredible. Yes. Imagine from talking to those people. You get these for working one day. They send you that and they give yeah. you that. And then you get money as it's played. Oh! But it also gave you the freedom to tell the clubs to go fuck themselves. Well, yeah, because I which had is, money in my pocket. Right, which is right. great. The one of the One of the things that I like to say is principles are expensive. Yes. And it's great to have them. them. But absolutely. It's great to have them. But you have to realize what you're doing when you do them. There's some bumps in there. There absolutely are. I have cost myself so much money over the years. It's okay. Just not being willing to do stuff. Thank you. Things are things are right now. We're sitting here talking. Absolutely. Things are right. Um (laughs) but the but I want to go back to when you when you went full time as a comic, Oof, because when that was rough, right? And when we're talking about the idea of whether it is the jump to okay, fuck these clubs and we'll play theaters or whatever right. it is, that it's one thing to say it, and then you wake up the next morning, and then you have to do it. Right? <laughs> right. Like it's not right. Oh. It's to make the transition from, and it's every level of comic. It's going from. An open mic or to hosting. It's right. going from hosting to featuring. It's going from featuring to headlining. The first thing you have to do to do any of that is turn down the work you used to have. Right. Which is so difficult to do. A guy that I use as my opening act, and Kevin uh, James uses him too, is a, a guy named Chris Roach. Oh, I know Chris. You know Chris? Yeah, Big yeah. New York fellow, fellow Ranger fan. Right. Yeah. Right. And Chris, my wife stopped in one place at a club. She goes, Bobby, come listen to this guy. He's silly. He's fun. And then yeah. I like that. I went over to him. I go, how much would you charge if I you open for me? I have some theaters around Long Island. And, yeah. and he goes, Bobby, for you? I went, no. He goes, I'll do it for free. Show business. It's yeah. a business. <laughs> he goes, I don't know. Because what he's getting, 100, 150. I go, yeah. eh. 
Wrong answer. I'll give you 500 for the first few. If it works out, I'll bring you up to a grand. You know, that's what we comics do. Which is that to, and I know that you're making enough of those theaters to be able to afford to give him that, but that's also so above market. It's incredible that you are willing to do that. Well, because nobody was willing to do it with me. Yeah. Do, it, do the right thing. What goes around comes around. Yeah, but it's it's still the principles. It it, it is the principles, and it's rare. Right. And I I want you to understand that that is something that like and look, does Chris deserve that? Absolutely. Yes. If he, and also you're in the spot where like he's not going to turn down you for any other work right. because he's not making a grand from someone else right. at that. Right. And so to. I'm just my point is I'm talking in circles my point is that like you didn't need to do that and so for you to decide to show something of character well yes but at the same token I liked him so we we've become friendly yeah not close friends but like he'll call me up because after the Kevin James sitcom he was back at clubs trying he goes Bobby how did you work clubs I go I had a method and my method was I would call up a club that was doing very good in Philadelphia or somewhere, yeah. and I'd call them up. Hi, my name's Bobby Collins. I'm a stand-up comic. I, I heard your wonderful things about your club. Oh, yeah, I've heard of you. Yeah, I, I'd really like to come in there and headline and work there. Well, you know, we'd like to see how you perform. And I go, what? he goes, what would you want? And I would tell him, and if, somebody, if they were making seven fifty for a weekend, I would say 1200 yeah. And they go, oh, we don't pay that. Uh, we don't. I go, okay, would you do me a favor? You're, you're, the, you're the entertainment director and the owner? Yes. I go, when you do, when you get to that level where you can, let me give you my phone number, and I would love to work your club. 90% of them would always call because you were le- literally letting them down. They're not as good as the other clubs or anyone else. Oh, wow. So that's just a psychology thing. That's fantastic. I worked at Calvin Klein. That. <laughs> I wanted the order. Yeah, that's uh, same thing. That's a, a fantastic lot of them way of doing it. Well, they some would wait two or three days. Hi, yeah, I, you called the other day. Would you take a thousand? Can we make yeah. it eleven hundred? Okay. Yeah. Well, and then that's how and that's I'm how in. you do it. I'm in. I'm in. First of all, I really hope that uh, my openers do not watch this episode. <laughs> but also the the idea of the psychology of it. Um, one of the things that. I would tell people when, because when I first moved out to LA, I didn't ask for a spot from anyone. I just went with friends that I had that were comedians and I would hang out. And eventually enough bookers were like, who's who's this guy that doesn't need us? (laughs) Who's the one guy that doesn't need us? And that's how I got in a lot of places because I'd be, I mean, look, I'd be sitting at the right table. I'd be, you know, talking to the right people for sure. But also I wouldn't be... If you're someone who my my a friend of mine and I call them cats because they're just constantly meowing around the booker's leg desperately <laughs> trying to get something. If you're one of those guys, like there would be people who when I when I would book shows, there would be people who would call me every week for a spot, sometimes a couple times a week, and occasionally I'd give them one, but I would never call them. Right? Because I knew that I didn't have to. Right? And so if you put yourself in a position of being wanted, now the problem is sometimes you got to go hungry a little bit. <laughs> like sometimes right. it takes a bit because when you're doing, and the advice I try to give comics who are trying to make the jump where I go, okay, if you get paid twice as much to headline as you do to feature, you only need half the work. 
So if you're worried because, well, I was working 40 weeks a year as a feature, and now suddenly I can barely get 20 as a headliner, it's like, okay, have you done the math on that? So if you could even get 15, you're getting close. Right. And then you just have to hold out until you get there. But as long as you keep saying, oh, I will take this lesser paid work, Mm -hmm. then they'll give it to you and nothing else. See, I've always been one of person that if you take three steps back, you can jump 10 steps ahead. And I've done that. And like what you said about, I was hanging out with my friends and like, who's this guy? He does comedy with you guys like yeah. that. Yeah, but you could back it up. Yeah. Hey, get on the stage and let's see what you can, whoa. That, was, that is another thing. You get, doing that method, you get one chance. Right. So you do it's have okay. to deliver on the one chance. I hear comics tell me they, they go to bringer shows. I did. I said, what is that? Yeah. They go, I have to bring five. I go, you're kidding. We never had that. We were committing. And then that worst thing that, that happened, what is that, Groupon? I yeah. heard that happened with clubs like 10, 15 years ago. And I was like, oh, I'm so yeah. glad I got out. And all, the, and all these places would, like people would buy it because it cost $2. And then they would just go see someone they didn't really want to see. I always try to tell people, right? look up who you're going to go see. And sometimes people give me shit for it. And they're like, oh, I just go see a band. I'm like, you absolutely don't. You know what genre they play. You don't just go see a band. You go see music that you know is country or you know is rock right. or you know is hip hop or you have a general idea. And every now and then someone's like, no, I go and see whatever. I'm like, well, you're a weirdo. <laughs> like the, the idea of <clears throat> everybody has different taste. And... I'm not a huge fan of Indian food. <laughs> there is some Indian food I like, but it's not my go-to. Right. And I have friends who love Indian food. Okay. And it doesn't make either one of us better than the other. Right. It just means that I'm going to go get Thai food, you can go get Indian food, and that's fine. But we have to go see our tastes, which is right. what's great about the theaters, because everyone who's buying a ticket is going to see you. Right. What percentage do you think of your audience in a standard theater show is familiar with you? Eighty-five percent, and those other fifteen. Somebody's have told them to right. come see this guy. Word He's, of mouth is huge. Yeah, and as I've gotten older, they've gotten older, but they've along the way brought their young friends, their family, their kids, and yeah. then there you got to see this guy. You got to see this guy. I am when I was with young, my parents took me. This is the guy. It just that's the trick, though. You got to wait. You got to wait uh, twenty years for them to have the kid and the kid to be old enough, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then that starts to reset the fan base again. But you got to remember, and you were asking me earlier yeah. about what are some of the dips that you've had. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I came out to California. I'm doing well. I'm, but I'm see, remember most of my big work in theaters are on the East Coast, up and down, Midwest, over Chicago. Then, yeah. Not on. Because I never fell in. Then we had a baby and a special needs, doesn't walk, doesn't talk, low functioning. And I was like, ha, oh, ha. Oh. And yeah. then I have to be home more, you know? And I'm, my wife said, no, just go. Just go. Do what you do best. And she's been just tremendous. And that little daughter of mine has become the inspiration for us, do you know? Is that the same woman who wanted the Mercedes? Yes. That is incredible that yes. she went from get me a Mercedes to go work. You need to work. I'll take care of our kid. She's got two Mercedes now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it all worked out then, right? It always does. If you do the right thing, stay high. Yeah. I I would be remiss to not ask you, you know, to, to be able to sit across the table from you and not ask just general advice for up-and-coming comedians, for anyone from someone just starting to someone who is at the point where they're trying to break in. Mm. If you could just shoot a couple of gems, what do we need to know? 
Keep your eye on the donut, not the hole. And the donut is you. You are progressing in, in a field where the, you, it's all based on truths. Take your truths that you know. You have different truths than I do. And, and take those truths and put them in your, whether you're a joke person or a story person, put them in there. So when you get up on the stage, the audience, people that don't even know you, are sitting there and they feel who you are and they like what you're saying. And they're laughing at you because they feel as if you, I could invite that guy right in my home and he would fit right in. That's yeah. the difference. That and just oh two jews they walk into a barn and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, people want to feel now more about that person that they're watching so keep your eye on the donut and you are the donut and and work hard pay you know test different things you know uh, keep your play. eye on the donut is absolutely gonna be the name of this episode there's no way it can't be <laughs> people ask me all the time and and i've had occasions where I, I, I've been, I performed at the White House. I've performed with, uh, when uh, uh, Trump became president, me and Celine Dion performed at, at the White House. Yeah. And money doesn't discriminate, people do. Yeah. I've known Donald Trump for 26 years. Um, Although he's a little different now than he was. I grew up in New York also. Well, you know, let's, the Cuomo told them, don't, you know, uh, good riddance. And uh, de, ba- de Blasio told them to let the door hit you on the way out. Yeah. He's, uh, I, you know, the fact that he's president, this guy should be on 42nd Street. Keep your eye on the red card. Yeah. Keep your eye, you know, I mean, but, <laughs> yeah. but I've known him and I took the money and ran. Yeah. But uh, what was uh, you had asked me about that is people have said to me, you do politics. I show yeah. both sides. Politicians, to me, you shake their hand, you want to clean yourself with a chicken. Yeah. You know, I don't hold it, but I show both sides, whether it's red or blue or green, yeah. whatever. I don't care. Talk to people because that's who we are. We're comics. We deal in truths. Well, I want to go back to what you said about dealing in truths. And there was, when I used to, when I was running a club, there was a comic who was auditioning. And I didn't pass him. Mm. And he asked me why not. He's like, oh, you know, um, I, you know, I get laughs. And I said, yeah, but your jokes could be told by anybody. Mm. They're good jokes. You didn't personalize But you don't have an act. Right. You have individual jokes that you've written. And you don't connect to any of them. You've grown. And <laughs> like the, the idea of when I, when I watch a comic, whether they are a year in or 20 years in, the through line for me, the thing that makes me go, that's somebody, is connecting to them. So right. I 100% resonate with the advice. Right. Yeah. That's that's what people, I, my wife's a great judge of character. You know, one, I brought up in New York, you too. Yeah. I, I grew up on subways. You could stand, sit there on a subway and look into people and look in. And you'd say like, wow, what is this person hiding from? He's putting on this, but inside yeah. he's so insecure and this and that. You could stand on the stage and see, and if somebody hollers something out to me and I'll play with them on it, you know which one to talk to and who not to, yeah. because you see that. You know, I've pe- always wanted to do a show where I find the backstory of the weirdest people. <laughs> like, just find that there was a guy at Rockefeller Center right. who I, I was eating. There's the Rock Center Cafe, that okay. place right on the ice. Sure. And so you could see people skating around. And there's this one dude, had to be probably in his 50s, and he's just skating like he's in the Olympics. Right. Everybody else <laughs> is like kids falling and like, you know, tourists coming in. Right. And this guy is just doing jumps and spins and all kinds of stuff. And clearly I'm fascinated by this. And the server sees this and just goes, oh, that's Bruce. And I was like, 
Bruce? Who's who's Bruce? Yeah. And she's like, he comes here every day. And I was like, how does someone afford that <laughs> every day? How do they day? pay rent? They don't like that. They get skates. I, exactly. How do, you pay for the, how do you pay for the entrance fee? How, that's the word New York. And right. And my mind immediately just goes, what led to that? Right. And so like someone like that, I would always, uh, I'm on a tangent here. That's but, all right. But the idea of trying to understand where someone comes from yeah. is fascinating to me. I've been in huge audiences with maybe uh, 2,000 people, and I'm starting to do my politics thing, and I'm uh, yeah. going to start about how ridiculous it is. Yeah. You know, and then we got a new president. I guess Orange is the new black, yeah. and I'll go into it. And and then all of a sudden, in the middle of me, they people think I'm talking, Paul. One guy stood up, 50, 30th row, yeah. stood up in the, because that's it, Bobby, no more for me. Paula, no more. I can't. I'm not coming to see you. I've been seeing yeah. you for 20 years. And he, and he walked out. And as he's walking out, I looked at the audience and I said, "You know, when you're dead, you can't feel you're dead, but the pain comes. Other people feel the pain. It's the same thing as when you're stupid." <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. You know. Yeah. We, you know. Uh, like we were yeah. talking about, you know, educate, you know, and ignorance can be educated. Yeah. Uh, crazy can be medicated. There's no excuse for stupid. Absolutely. And there's a lot of stupid people. But that's okay. I play to them. And yeah. they come to see me. And if you can change them, and some of them have changed yeah. through humor. And that's the best thing. Use your humor to change people around. Not because it's my goal or anything like that. I'm being who I am coming from the point of view that I've always come from. Yeah. And if they change the way they're looking at something, they go, wow, you know, you, you mentioned that, you know, I was for this guy and now I, I can't stand him. I go, well, you've grown. Well, you don't want to preach to the choir, nothing is gained. Nothing. I yeah. don't want to be. You should. You. Sh I'm not a. You should. I'm not. Yeah. Listen. That. Hey. This is how I feel on things. You know. Well, Bobby, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. You know, an, an OG of comedy, and <laughs> I. I very much appreciate everything you drop. I had no idea you were a vice president at Calvin Klein. Yes. That did not come up in my research. But they had six. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't mean anything. Still one of the six. That's More pretty money. good. That's and to good. this day, I run into that guy. He comes to see me. Who I said to him, he was a big uh, mocky muck there. Yeah. And he said to me, "Do you remember when you said to me, then call me emperor?" Yeah. And I said, yeah, I do. He goes like this. Ah, I, and I felt as if when you were leaving, you I, we were doing you a favor. I go, you were. Yeah. I was going out to the world. To, to, to do what you actually want. Yes. And love it. I love it. Yeah. Leave, leaving the golden handcuffs behind. Oh, I get excited knowing that tomorrow I'm on a plane and Thursday I'm in a theater. That's which is a lot better than selling something you don't believe in. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you so much. You and where it. can where can people find out more about you? And uh, come, go to bobbycollins.com. Uh, I have my special needs daughter. We do comics for a cause in California, New York, and Florida. Uh, all the guys, Jay, uh, our saying we all they all help out. Show up just a free show. Uh, they do a free show. We take to help kids out. That's you know, fantastic. Do the right thing. Get back. It'll always come back to you. Excellent. That's awesome. Well, uh, as always, thanks for listening, subscribing, commenting, liking, all that stuff, and we'll see you again next week.